8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. Rihanna Musaji is uh, with us. She's the founder of the Barefoot Facilitator. Rihanna, as always, good chatting to you. Hello. Yes. Rihanna, do I have you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I certainly can. Thanks for your time. I eh? most appreciate it. Thank so, you so Rihanna, you know, we, we talk innovation on this platform every day for 10 minutes because we think it's that important. And, and one of the things, and yes, we've done it before, but we need to do it again, is, is to get people switched on to, to think innovation when it comes to problem solving for themselves in the same way that we expect government, for example, to think innovation to solve maybe education. So how do we get individuals, people listening to you and I right now to say, think innovation because they all are facing certain obstacles on a daily basis? So Ashraf, I think the starting point is exactly what you're saying. There are a myriad of problems everywhere around us that need solving. And often it's the mindset that says it's somebody else's issue to solve this problem, I, if I had a chance, I would do something about it. And innovators are really the people who see potential in solving a problem. Um, so really, what are you solving for? Who are you solving for? And how can you essentially do something better than it's currently being done? So it's, you know, it really feels very basic. Uh, I think for, for many people, there's an assumption that innovation is necessarily technology. Mm. Uh, of course, technology has a place to play in, in innovation, but I think, you know, there are many, many innovative ways. And, and for many people, I mean, innovation really comes uh, from their own difficulty with the situation, and they're like, why am I standing in this queue for so long um, collecting medication? And born out of that adversity is, in fact, innovation. Okay, so how, how many people... You know, that, that you would encounter, let's say, I'm not talking of percentage of the population, but let's say you meet lots of people in the work you've, you do now and before, certainly with, with the city of Johannesburg. Let's say for every 100 people, how, how many people do you meet that you, you know they, they switched on in terms of innovative thinking? So, so Ashraf, I think it's, it is the minority in South Africa. Uh, very few people, I think people kind of just, many people are just, this is the situation, we've learned to live with it. I think there's also the fear of innovation, uh, the fear that comes with change and just not wanting to embrace that new way of doing things. And, and in many ways, I think what's holding us back from an innovation culture is almost a compliance with this is how things have always been. There's no need to change it. And of course, the world continues to change very, very rapidly. And our inability to actually continue to pivot with change uh, is hamstringing our ability to innovate. And then often it feels like innovation is being imported from other mm-hmm. places because we're not actually moving quickly enough uh, with the challenges yet, you know, as much as innovation is considered a fast-paced thing, Ashraf, my own view is that often it needs people to slow down rather than speed up uh, to to actually be innovative, to drop much deeper into the self, and to find solutions from from a place uh, that that really a place of stillness and quiet, where where the mind is thinking and the heart is feeling. Quite actively. Okay, so, so here we are. One thing is to get people to understand that they can be innovative to try and solve their problems on a daily basis, like the government should do the same thing. So first is to agree on that. The, the second part then is, is, to, is to start implementing. So uh, perhaps just, just a quick thought. How would you provoke someone to, to think uh, innovatively when you know they're not doing that? 
And then we'll talk about how do they actually tackle it. So, so Ashraf, I think in, in many situations, people are forced by their circumstances to be innovative. Um, and, and I think sometimes we're not reading that necessarily as innovation. So, you know, people find solutions under the most dire of circumstances. And, and I think this, this idea that all of our problems will be solved by some political party, all of our issues will be solved by government, is, is really, I mean, from our history of fallacy, and, and I think takes away people's agency uh, to look at their own issues in their own local areas and come up with innovative solutions to them. And, and I think it's, it's really about saying we have a history of a government that didn't provide for the vast majority of people, and people were fairly innovative in how they, they started up businesses, what they did in their local areas, and transformed in, in many instances areas that were meant to be dormitory townships into, into fairly active spaces. And, and, and I think it's really about saying let's reclaim our agency as the first thing in bringing innovation to bear. So I think it, you know, innovation is around us, but, but often, again, I think we're, we're assuming that, that innovation is, is something you know, very different, very high-tech, uh, and, and many people just to get by on a daily basis are having to innovate. And I, and I think it's about how do we see opportunities to solve problems and turn those possibly um, into income-generating opportunities, mm. Uh, and, and into ways to, to better the way in which we live with each other. All right, chatting to Rihanna Musaji, the founder of the Barefoot uh, Facilitator, and you can follow her on Twitter. It's on my timeline. In fact, you'll follow if you follow me, you'll follow her right away. You'll see that, right? So, so once they get over that, I thought it's an interesting point. You talk about adversity as a as a major driver for innovation because it just puts people into positions where they have no choices. And I think, as you and I talk, there are many people who can give you hundreds of examples of doing just that anyway, right? But but once they've done that, it, it, some of them. But okay, you you may get the other part which is innovation or, or to innovate even outside of adversity. So let's call those that wish to be proactive and, and that's really the clever way to do it anyway, right? Are, are, there, are there specific steps to follow then? So, so Ashraf, I think the, the, the first thing is, is really the, the ability to know that the, the current status quo is not the only way. And, and to embrace, and then I think the, the willingness to risk, to step in and take a chance, um, to, to really have the creative confidence. Uh, I mean, there's a book called Creative Confidence, uh, which, which really looks at what does it take. I think the other issue is that often innovation is not an individual venture. It's often the ability to work with a range of other people, bring in a range of skill sets, um, on an issue, uh, rather than, you know, this notion of I can solve this on my own, uh, team thinking, empathy. I mean, I think empathy is a very big part of innovation. Uh, if you're not able to empathize with people, you're not able to see the issue from the perspective of, example, a user. And often, if you see it from the perspective of a user, you immediately think, but we need to fix this, this, and that. And then, I mean, I think, Ashraf, there's also the issue of is government and the way in which government works and the way in which policy making works and the, the entire policy making cycle 
can it actually respond to this thing called innovation? Because by the time we write laws, things are changing mm, so quickly mm, mm, mm. that our ability to, to actually keep up at a legislative level with innovation, I, I mean, I really think that there are countries where, you know, there's, there's a ministry or a department that's specifically thinking about innovation. How many of our national departments, um, and, and I would take transport as an example, are kind of thinking seriously about innovation, what's coming, and what does this mean for, for how we respond to the future of work, uh, to land use, to um, charging stations, to a whole range of things. You know, are we kind of catching up and legislating after the fact, mm-hmm. or do we have the ability to almost predict and preempt the trends that are coming? So, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of workforce do we need uh, in an innovative economy, it's it's very different. And that means your education system then has to change fundamentally from one that both compliance and was both for a very industrial age where you just wanted people to be able to push things through um, a manufacturing cycle to a much more innovative way of doing things. So it, it requires changes mm. right from the education system all the way through if, in fact, we really want to embrace innovation in real ways. One of our listeners, Michael uh, Tsepo-Tabani, just... And echoing what you've just said, saying a uh, uh, great point made by the guest uh, that innovation is not technology, just creative ways to resolve something. So yourself being even a former teacher, did, did you did you pick it up then? Do you pick it up even now that, that there's enough emphasis on creative thinking as opposed to creative writing? So, so Ashraf, I think part of the challenge is, you know, things like play and imagination and creativity um, we, we're frowning upon. Um, in, in many ways, you know, we th- I've come across an interesting article that's actually saying the technology gap is that in many uh, wealthier homes, parents are realizing the importance of limiting children's space and time on technology and ensuring that they have creative outlets. Um, and, and so the gap is actually widening between those who have access, uh, and, and of course creativity doesn't need ma- major resources. I mean, it's your ability to um, to take a um, a toilet roll holder inside and think it's a telescope uh, when, when you're a young kid. Okay? Mm-hmm. I also think, you know, just the ability to, to be brave um, and courageous in the workspace, uh, in, in how we present ourselves, you know, away from conformity to creativity, uh, to bring in different ways. And I think, Ashraf, we... we very much have been a society that has exercised and put a lot of value on mind work, but not so much on work that we do with our hands, not so much on work that we do with our hearts. And of course, as as human beings, we need all of our faculties. And I don't think we're doing enough to to actually nurture and enhance the other faculties in, to the extent that, that they need to be and, to have us as, as well-rounded human beings who are actually deeply connected to each other. Because mm. I think the other thing, I mean, you know, very interesting, you, you get on to any okay, mode I'm going to give you, I'm give you 10 seconds to make a final point. Yeah, go ahead. And, and you see people all stuck on their phones rather than mm, have, mm, you know, mm. engaging in creative conversation with each other. And, and we're losing lots of opportunities for innovation because we're disconnecting from each other. Very good point indeed. Rihanna Musaji, uh, founder of the Barefoot Facilitator. You're on Twitter, of course, right? Uh, Rihanna, you, uh, you have a website you can give out? 
thebarefootfacilitator.co.za Just as simple as that, the Barefoot Facilitator. But follow her on Twitter as well. You'll follow me on Twitter and you'll find her uh, immediately. Now, you do know, uh, Rihanna, thanks for your time. Most appreciated. You do know that we've been talking in the last few days, uh, the last few weeks or months, in fact, about uh, Josie Dark. Now, that drama ended uh, a few days ago. So, as of tonight, we've got a new drama and it's called The Paper. That's exactly what it's about.